Today's episode of the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast is brought to you by... There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. Spatula City, we sell spatulas. And that's all. Nick, 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 Nick. Nickelodeon. From Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Hector Navarro. Welcome to the podcast. Our guest today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Weird Al Yankovic is nothing short of a musical genius who's been releasing pop hit parodies for over 30 years. Plus, he's been a staple of the animation industry ever since 1986's Transformers The Movie featured the hit single Dare to Be Stupid. Since then, he's appeared on The Simpsons, Robot Chicken, Yo Gabba Gabba, Adventure Time, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, Gravity Falls, Bojack Horseman, Wally Kazam, Pig Go Banana Cricket, and can now be heard as the lead character in Milo Murphy. Law. I guess being white and nerdy has worked out pretty well for Weird Al Yankovic. Everybody shut up. <laughs> okay, now here's the deal. I'll try to educate you. Gonna familiarize you with the nomenclature. You learn the definitions of nouns and prepositions. Literacy is your mission, and that's why I think it's a good time. Did you love cartoons and, and animation when you were a kid? What kind oh, of yeah. stuff did you love? Oh, gosh, I mean, you know, I, um, I'm trying to think what was on the, on the I, I don't have really strong memories of uh, the very first shows I ever watched. I mean, whatever was on the big three networks, yeah. you know, back in the, uh, the, the mid-60s. I mean, I was born in 1959, so I would have been watching, you know, all the shows that were around that time. I loved all the old Warner Brothers cartoons, which were even before that time, but yeah. were, which were getting, you know, replayed constantly, of course, uh, yeah. on the networks. Uh, I always was sort of obsessed with animation ever since I was a young child. What would your kid self think of you now? My kid self would be pretty impressed, I think. I yeah. mean, I, I never in a million years thought that I would have a uh, job uh, anywhere related to show business. I was always a very adult-minded kid, very realistic. Really? And, yeah, I mean, I you know, I was a straight-A student. I I, I uh, started high school when I was 12. I, wow. I graduated at 16 as the valedictorian. I was, you know, when I, when I write a song like White and Nerdy, that comes from personal experience. <laughs> Uh, but I always just thought that, you know, uh, when, when I was 12 years old, I had a, a guidance counselor uh, talk to me about what I wanted to be when I grew up, and and we decided <laughs> that I would be an architect. Really? So I went to college, and I got my degree, went to four years, got the degree, and then decided, this isn't what I'm really passionate about, you yeah. know? I love comedy, I love music, you know, I don't know that I can make a living doing that, but, you know, I'm young, you know, I'm like... 20 years old at that point. Yeah, I think, you oh, had a head a start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, and, and luckily things worked out because, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, I honestly don't know what I'd be doing right now, uh, you know, if, if that record deal hadn't come through. Yeah. Was it a gradual thing for you, like, during college or was there one specific moment where you went, I don't know if I can do this, I can't try this right now? 
I think it was my third year in architecture school. I was pulling an all-nighter trying to get a project done. And uh, I was on the third floor of my architectural labs and thinking, what if I should jump? <laughs> at that point, I thought, maybe I shouldn't be an architect. <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe it was a good idea to uh, to take a break from that, yeah. at least. Um, what was it about? Uh, so it was just it was just a high school guidance counselor. Was there anything about architecture that you were drawn to? Any any aspects of well, it? Well, uh, I I had a drafting drafting class that I really enjoyed. I had a cool. really great teacher, and I was very excited about that. And I was good at really good at math, and I had some aptitude for design. Mm-hmm. And if I thought about that all together, it's like, well, that could be an architect. Sure, why yeah. not? So it was just sort of a decision that felt reasonable. Yes. Uh, but when I you know, was in college, especially my third and fourth years, I realized that I didn't have the passion that everybody else did because people in the labs would get really excited about the positive and the negative space and yeah. the flow and the form and the function. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's a house, you know. You can be a coffee achiever. You can sit around the house and watch and leave it the beaver. The future's up to you. So what you gonna do? What is your creative process like? Do you have a little notebook right next to your bed? Do you do you I, have I used a... to, yeah. I mean, I used to have a, a three-ring binder like I had in high school with the little plastic dividers for every song, song title. Oh, yes. Uh, and oh, it was so nerdy, so nerdy. And I, <laughs> I think I still have all those somewhere in another box in a storage facility somewhere. Oh, my gosh. And now, now everything's done on my laptop. But, yeah, it used to be just like all handwritten notes on the, the, the lined three-hold punch paper you that's know. amazing do you have a uh, like a study in your house do you have like a a, a thinking place or you just kind of do your day and then go well if i get hit with something in the middle of the night i'll get hit with something you, know, you never know where the, where the idea is going to strike so i might be in bed and you mm-hmm. know or i might be downstairs um you know I've, I've got a little it's not a studio per se it's like a, a, a laptop and a keyboard but it's like where uh, a room in my house where i would do my demos so cool. uh, do a lot of my work down there but it, there's no telling where some stupid idea is going to strike <laughs> what kind of things inspire you to be creative it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I, most of my ideas, oddly enough, I get in the middle of the night. I think maybe my, my brain waves are undulating in some specific pattern that make them more creative at that point. I don't know. Maybe it's the phone's not ringing. They're, you know, the, my Twitter feed has slowed down. My, my family was asleep. I don't know what it is. But I, I, I find that most of my best and or more bizarre ideas come at like 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Do you bounce any of those ideas off of anybody? Or do you have a testing ground before you go, yep, I'm going to write this song. I'm going to work on this project, I'm going to do this thing. Whoever's close. I mean, <laughs> if, if my wife is in the room, I might throw something at her and see if she thinks it's amusing. Yeah. And if she doesn't, I go, well, what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird out. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm the pro here. You better listen, better do what you're told. You haven't even touched your tuna casserole. Ooh. You better chow down or it's going to get cold. So eat it. I don't care if you're full. Just eat it. Eat it. I know people usually ask you about the negative stuff for your career, like which musical artist, you know, uh, had a problem or beef or any of that kind of thing. But I want to ask you, was there any surprisingly positive receptions to any musical artist hearing that you wanted to do a parody? Was there anyone you went, oh, I, I didn't know that they would be this on board with this? Sure. Well, a number, though. And thank you for asking about <laughs> yes, the positive stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, certainly Michael Jackson the first time. We had no yeah. idea because I at, at that point in my career, I was a pretty much unknown uh, you know, entity. And the fact that Michael Jackson would even acknowledge me, I thought, 
thought would be insane, but he approved. Eat it. Uh, there's a contract with my signature ne- next to his <laughs> saying that we are the co-writers of that song. So that was a huge surprise. Uh, yeah. And that there have been a number since then. I mean, Don McLean was one of those things where people said, there's no way he's going to yeah. let you do American Pie. That's sacred. He never lets anybody mess with that. Yeah. And he did. That is so cool. That's great. Uh, I love the story of, of course, uh, Kurt Cobain being so excited. Yeah. And Nirvana being so excited that they were going to get parodied. A little bit after that happened, it was this known thing of, you haven't made it in music until right. <laughs> Weird Al, you know? And right. as a kid, I'm like, that is so cool. That's that, that awesome. was sort of, sort of the tipping point. I've, I've been going through a lot of old memorabilia the last month yeah. and looking <laughs> through a lot of like reviews and articles in the, in the 80s and early 90s. And a lot of them were pretty unkind. <laughs> and and it's sort of like, it was after sort of like after Nirvana, then people were sort of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there is something to this. Maybe maybe it is like an homage. Maybe it's, and yeah. that was the point where, where artists were sort of like, oh, well, you know, I've got my platinum album, my Grammy, but I don't have my Weird Al parody yet, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> what has it been like for you to see that young people might get into music, different types of music, because of that entry level? Hey, here's a Weird Al album. Check this out. Well, I was just talking to somebody on the podcast crew mentioning that <laughs> uh, that uh, it was because of me that he discovered Nirvana and that led him to other acts as well. Get out of here. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so uh, so that that always feels great to to be sort of a, a gateway to a lot of other kinds of music to expose people to music and genres that they might not have heard otherwise. Yeah. So um, a, a lot of people look at my albums as sort of like time capsules of that era of pop culture so it's sort of like like the cliff notes yeah <laughs> pop music yeah. What was the first VO that you did? It wasn't Transformers the movie because Dare to be Stupid was featured in that. Right. Was that your first foray into animation? Trying to think, that was 85. I, I think I probably did a few things in 1984 cool. uh, when I first started. I'm trying to think. I remember, gosh, I, I you remember when they used to have primetime specials on Friday before like the new season of animated shows came out on the networks? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I did that in 1984. I was, it was me and a Scooby and Scrappy Doo at, where was that? At Knott's Berry Farm, I think. No We're way. going around. It's like a whole like Weird Al introduces the new Saturday morning shows. Yeah. I, I didn't do a lot of voiceover work early yeah. on in the days um, until later yeah 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 that yeah. scooby thing was that you live action or was that you like an animated no form? <laughs> it was all live action in fact it was like you know the, the walk around characters in the park you know you know? Oh, gotcha! <laughs> and then they, awesome. they they had the actual voiceovers do the uh, the voices after the fact. You got asked to voice a transformer. What was that experience like? That was a lot of fun. I mean, I th- that was I think in direct response to the fact that they used Dare to Be Stupid uh, in the original Transformers uh, animated movie, which <laughs> and that came about just pretty randomly. My record label at the time, Scotty Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, was in charge of the Transformers soundtrack, and oh, cool. because I was on their label, they just said, <laughs> I don't even know if it was a question. You're like, we're going to put your song on the soundtrack. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's great. To the people like, well, how did you decide to write Dirty Be Stupid yeah. for the Transformers movie? Like, well, like that, that wasn't really the way it went down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you plan on becoming a voice actor? And a lot of the times voicing yourself or voicing different characters, is that something that when you were young that you wanted to someday try out and do, or did you just sort of fall into it? I don't think it was something that I was consciously thinking about, but I always thought it was a really cool gig. I mean, <laughs> uh, I you know, it's one of those kind of things that people wish they could do, but it's there's not that many people that do it. It's a hard way to get into it. Yeah. And I, I figured if I if I had a 30-year career in comedy music, <laughs> maybe people would ask me to do voiceover work. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You've played yourself on The Simpsons 
Simmons more than one time. That's which right. Is, which is a really unique and cool very, thing. Very small club of people. Very small club. How did that come about? How did you did you get contacted by the producers of The Simpsons, or how did it happen? I, I did. Uh, well, uh, uh, Matt Warburton uh, wrote me into the first episode that I was uh, on, and then Matt Selman on the second. Uh, I, I'd, I'd been friendly with uh, the, the Simpsons people for a long time. I knew a lot of the writers and the producers and things like that cool. over the years. Uh, but it wasn't until the 14th season <laughs> that they wrote me into the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I just always been a big fan, and uh, I, I think they probably were aware of that. And uh, for whatever reason, they they you know put me in the show, and and that to this day that's one of the biggest thrills of my life. I think that's my one real uh, shot at immortality because the Simpsons <laughs> will be in syndication for the next thirty thousand yes. years. You were on Yo Gabba Gabba. What was that experience like? That was so great. I, I I love working with all those people. Christian and the gang are just the best. Uh, what a fun set. I mean, during lunchtime, they would have like uh, costume contests and things like that. Everybody was so sweet. My daughter came to the set and and uh, they gifted her with with a uh, uh, a, a handmade puppet. Oh, you cool. know, uh, and uh, it just the whole experience was just super entertaining and fun and couldn't have been better. Right now, uh, I don't really have any acts for the circus, but but I'm marching around looking for circus performers to help. Well, Mr. Ringmaster, we could learn to be circus performers. Really? Yeah! You could help me? Yeah! yeah. You want to perform in the circus? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> that would be so great! I'm just looking over your very impressive just voiceover resume. Weird Al, just the voiceover aspect, but uh, you played yourself on Batman the Brave and the Bold. Yes. <laughs> and I thought about this for a second. I'm like, how many of our real-world celebrities and, and musicians and artists exists also in the same world that Batman existed. Like, how many other celebrities are celebrities to Batman? I'm canon now. You're canon, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was really cool. And the perfectly titled episode, Batmite Presents Batman's Strangest Cases, uh, that was a blast. That was a really great episode. Yeah, me, Batman, and uh, the Scooby-Doo gang, and and, uh, and and Paul Rubens was Batmite, which though I was in the same yes. episode as him as, as well, yeah. That's, a, that's right. That's amazing, yeah. You were also on Adventure Time. That's a huge... Uh, Oh, yes. Super popular show as Banana Man. Yes. I'm very uh, honored that, that Pendleton and the gang uh, invited me onto the show. I did a few songs in the, in the show, which mm-hmm. I didn't write. I was given given the demo tape, and I learned the songs. Um, yeah, what's that like, too? How often does that happen where people want you to come on and they give you an already written song, or are there cases where it's like, we would love for you to do so? How does that work? Usually, they, they give me the song. Like, yeah. like for The Simpsons, I mean, that was everything was written out. Of, I, don't, I don't think, and for Milo Murphy, uh, there's a lot of music in that, yeah. which, which, again, is written by... You you know, uh, Dan and Swampy and the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, generally, I, I, I don't get involved uh, in writing the songs in the show unless they they ask. You know, if, if, <laughs> if, if it was something really horrible, I'd probably make a few suggestions. <laughs> but, you know, the stuff I'm offered is, is all really well-written and, and fun, and uh, there's no need to do that. That's great. Let's talk about Milo Murphy for a second. You are the lead-voiced character, Milo Murphy, in Milo Murphy's Law. Yes. It's on Disney XD. What can you tell us about this show? What has it been like to voice this character? It's been amazing. It's, it's my first... Uh, you know, uh, lead part yeah. in an animated show, uh, an actual job, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and it's, it's been a real thrill. I mean, uh, I've always been a big Phineas and Ferb fan. It's, uh, it's a real honor and, uh, for me to work with uh, with Dan and Swampy. It's a show that I hope that we're, we're going to be doing for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I love the character of Milo. It's uh, sort of an extension of my own character, which which Dan tells me is one of the reasons why they cast me, because they're looking for some, like, you know, really optimistic character. And yeah. they said, well, you know, Al was the first guy that we auditioned that didn't feel like he was putting it on. <laughs> it felt pretty natural. 
<laughs> what is it like for you as an actor, as a performer, to do voiceover compared to live action acting, compared to appearing on camera? What what are what are some of the the benefits and drawbacks of that? Uh, doing voiceover work is one of my favorite things. Like I, I don't think I've ever f- finished a, a session and and said, "Oh, thank goodness that's over." So like, are we do- are we are done already? <laughs> we can't do this some more. It's I really enjoy it and get a thrill out of it, and uh, and I like you know uh, on camera acting as well. But there's so many more things to uh, be concerned with when you're on camera. You have to know your lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, have yeah. to, you have to, you know, make sure that there's nothing hanging out of your nose. Right. I mean, there's all <laughs> sorts of things you need to be concerned about, but when you're uh, voice acting, it's just one thing. You just need to make sure that whatever's coming out of your mouth <laughs> you know, is, is appropriate. Tell me why I need another pet rock. Tell me why I got that alpha alarm clock. Tell me why I bit on Shatner's old comic book fan yeah yeah i i uh i i'm not uh, obsessed but I, I like comic books i think the, the one the one comic book i've always been obsessed with is mad magazine that was yeah. something since i was 12 years old uh which you know makes ca- sense kind of, makes sense Al. yeah which, when, when i was <laughs> when i was given the opportunity to, to edit mad magazine that was a big deal for me because i mean you know when I, it used to really be the focus of my life <laughs> I was 12, 13 years old. Uh, this was before the internet, so if I wanted back issues, I had to have my parents drive me around to old, you know, used magazine shops and wow. things like that and try to go through the the back stacks. And, you know, I, Mad Magazine, in a large way, I think, helped shape my sense of humor. Yeah. So, in, in fact, you know, being on the cover of Mad is maybe the one thing that would impress <laughs> the 12-year-old me the most. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You also voiced Superman in the Mad animated uh, thing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, there was the, the 100th episode, so I got to <laughs> do uh, Superman and I think Krang yeah. and uh, and the uh, the manager for One Direction, if I'm... I, I, I think... I think that's right. All the same character. All, All of them, yeah. <laughs> Superman was the manager of One Direction, which right. is great. I want to ask, too, you were on Wally Kazam. Uh, you played a character named Wizard Jeff, which is a really adorable show. It's so great. It's and the great, song yeah. was called Underpants. Yes. Uh, underpants. Yeah, that was great. What was that like, recording that song? And I've always wanted to write uh, to record a song about underpants, and I, <laughs> I'm glad that I was given the opportunity. Uh, you also did a character named Mr. Dingling on Pig, Goat, Banana Cricket, yes. which I don't think is, it hasn't aired it, yet. It has not aired yet. It hasn't yet. aired yet. I'm excited but, uh, about that. What can you tell us about Mr. Dingling? Oh, my goodness. Uh <laughs> Never thought I'd ask the, that question. The, the backstory, the subtext, he's yes. a very deep, layered character. I don't know if I could even really describe all the layers of Mr. Dingaling. Absolutely. We he's don't have very enough time. deep. We don't have enough time. We don't have I'm enough time. I'm not even going to bother. But I appreciate you <laughs> saying that up front. Um, that's just some great honesty. Al. That's really good. You were on BoJack Horseman. Yes. Hugely popular show. How fun was it to play that character? It was really fun. Captain <laughs> Peanut Butter. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Peanut Butter's butter's uh, brother. Yeah, I, I think I probably got that job uh, uh, by being proactive about it because I uh, I binge watched the first uh, two seasons of, of uh, BoJack Horseman and I loved it. And I'm friends with uh, Aaron Paul, and I just emailed him and said, "Hey, man, I just just watched the show. I'm sorry, I'm late to the late to the party, but yeah. I just watched the whole thing, and it's amazing. And you know, I'm just really thrilled. Thank you for for doing the show. And he was like, "We should put you on the show." And I was like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> friends or that's what you'll find in place of a treat at the end of the line and i don't think you want that some of my favorite music videos of yours 
deal with animation or completely animated. I love Party in the CIA. I love Poke Face. That was sort of inspired by the uh, the the anagrams that Marv Newland and people used to do back in the day, the yeah. Rocket Ship Limited stuff, where he would just invite like you know a dozen of his of his friends to do a bit, and they would have the first frame and the last frame of animation, and you could do anything between those frames, and then he put them all together. And oh. I thought, oh, this is amazing. Very cool. So, so I wanted to do something like that for for Polka Face, whereas like we would farm out every single song in the medley yeah. to a different animator and whatever anything they wanted to do I didn't want to micromanage just say here this is the song whatever you want to do uh, and then they put them you know, sent them back and we just edited them all together and that was it and that, that was the so cool. amazing thing Yeah. what was the reaction like from you what was your response when you would get little pieces back were you like I would have never thought of doing something like that and that's so cool yeah no I mean you know it, uh, it was a surprise every single time because like I said I, I didn't tell them what to do and it was really all their vision so it was you know it was a uh, it was a great experience to be able to, to kind of let go yeah. and just say, okay, you guys, I, I hired you because I like what you do, so yeah. just do your thing. I don't have to shoot this one. I don't have to film in it. I don't right. have to do any of that. Why do you think your music and your persona, Al, and your actual real-life personality mesh so well with animation? I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, it, uh, as, I don't know uh, if there's a certain personality type that appreciates animation more than another. But I, I just always had a, a large affinity for it. That's one of the reasons why I did so many animated music videos. I, I, I think maybe at one point I did a lot of animated videos because it was more cost effective than doing live action. But that doesn't say anything. I mean, but, you know, I, I also am obviously a huge fan of, of uh, the animated uh, medium and want to support and express my love for it. Al, are there any songs that you think that you missed a chance to do being on topic of being current? Do you think that there's anything that you're like, oh, I missed the boat on that? Or do you feel like, no, I could always go back and do it if I want? Um, well, yeah, timing is, is important because, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, people, you should do more classic rock songs. And well, you know, I, I would, uh, if I could tie it with something that's topical, uh, in, in a subject matter. Right. Cause there's no reason to do a 40 year old song about cheese, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, and, and there are some songs when, back when I uh, was under my album deal that, you know, it, it had been like two years too late to do a song. Like uh, I, you know, if I'd have thought of that idea two years ago, or, or if I had an idea and then it was two, two more years before the album came out, I was like, well, that's a little dated now. I probably right. shouldn't use this one, which is one of the reasons why I like now with the whole digital thing, I'm more excited because now things will not be sitting in the can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you ever come up with ideas uh, when you're sitting on the can? For songs? Well, <laughs> well, about 30% of them, pretty much. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. That was so weird that you mentioned that because I really wrote that question down. Oh, good, That's so good. weird. Stop, make it pop. DJ, blow my speakers up tonight. I'm a fight till we see the sunlight. Tick tock on the clock, but the polka don't stop. No. Yodel, lady. Yodel, lady. Polka face, polka face. What has it been like for you to see musical acts inspired by what you've done? And then in turn, I feel like a lot of them regard you with such praise that if they've talked about you or met with you, it's always Weird Al's the king and everybody else is just kind of trying to do their own thing. So what, yeah, what's your response been like? It's been really great. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate that there's been sort of a renaissance in, in comedy music. When I started out in the 80s, I felt kind of lonely. I was yeah. kind of all by myself. <laughs> you know, and there, there wasn't such a thing as YouTube. I mean, you know, if you had a, 
a parody. I mean, the Dr. Demento show is sort of like your only, uh, you know, way in. But nowadays, I mean, there's so many wonderful, you know, and, and amazing acts. Lonely Island, Tenacious Steve, Flight of the Concords, uh, Garfunkel and Oates, Reggie Watts, uh, Bo Burn. I mean, there's so many people yeah. out there doing um, amazing work. And, you know, if, if I had any, any kind of influence on them at all, I'm, I'm very flattered because they're they're all amazing artists. And then there's a whole generation of people on YouTube. I mean, there's yeah. a million people <laughs> on YouTube doing doing funny music and parody songs. And and uh, I, I have to assume a lot of them probably were inspired by something I did 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think the music industry is going? I, you know, I don't know. I'm not much of a futurist. Yeah. I, I, the industry has changed dramatically in the last decade or two, uh, and not in a good way for yeah. <laughs> for the people trying to make money off of it. Right. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I know that a, a lot of record labels now that are signing artists try to bundle things like because they find that they can't generally make a lot of money just off of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to bundle it with, with touring. They try to bundle it with merchandise and other things where they can, you know, monetize <laughs> their investment. Right. Right, and in fact, it's, it, a lot of people uh, in the industry look at albums and and music sort of a lost leader. Like, you know, we can't make money off of this, but it's a way that we can make money on this or this. Sure, and, which is why you know, in uh, in the eighties, you used to. Um, tour in order to sell records and nowadays it's more the opposite you 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 make records so that you have an excuse to go touring <laughs> i'm nerdy in the extreme and wider than sour cream i was in a v club and glee club and even the chess team only question i ever thought was hard what do i like kirk or do i like picard spend every weekend at the renaissance fair got my name on my underwear they see me strolling they laughing and rolling their eyes because i'm so wide and so let's talk about your huge, massive box set that's coming out. Tell us a little bit about this thing. Well, you know, I, I feel a little bit bad because, you know, it's supposed to be the complete works and I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and and I, I have a feeling that I'm probably going to be doing something else. Before, oh, you will. You know, you will. For the rest of my life. Uh, so so this is complete for now. Yeah. I mean, I put out a box set in 1994, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was at that time the complete Weird Al. Yeah. Uh, so this this is a, a good time to do it, though, I think, because it's, my record contract has been fulfilled. Uh, I'm probably not going to be doing any more uh, complete albums after this. Oh, okay. I, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, and, and you know, I'm not drawing any lines in the sand, but I, I don't think that I'm going to wait until I have 12 songs and release them all at once because I yeah. like to. You know, I get I get antsy. I like to like you know, I record something and I get excited about it and want people to hear it. So yeah. uh, in the past, that was part of my deal. Like, well, you have to put out so many albums. Sure. And now I don't have that kind of restraint. Um, so anyway, this is the end of my album output, and I, I felt like, okay, well, this sounds like a reasonable time. So yeah. it's going to be all 14 of my studio albums Mm -hmm. plus a 15th disc which is sort of a rarities compilation yeah it's not gonna be everything obviously but it's it's, it's called uh i think in fact we're going with the name medium rarities mm-hmm. uh and it's gonna be just odds and ends and things that weren't on the official album releases and a few few uh you know f- obscure things and a few things that never saw the light of day and, and i can't even tell you exactly what's gonna be on it yet because we're still working with the lawyers and trying to figure out what we can clear that's awesome that's exciting in the shape of your classic accordion is that true the uh, yeah yes all, all, all 14 uh, <laughs> all 15 albums are going to be uh uh in the bellows of oh, a come on. of a replica that is of so my cool. accordion. Yeah. That is so cool. And it's available. You can get it, get it either as a uh, 180 gram vinyl or or digital or CD. So whatever yeah. format. I, no no Edison cylinders on, on this one, but uh, <laughs> otherwise pretty much every format. And some of the first time some of your music is going to be available on vinyl. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I uh, my first six albums were on vinyl, and then they pretty much stopped doing vinyl, and then vinyl had a resurgence. So my yeah. last. 
my last two or two or three albums were on vinyl, but th- there is, I think, uh, six albums in the middle of that that I never got it. a vinyl release. So this, this will be a first vinyl release for, for all those. Let's get into that a little bit about you making this decision about maybe not waiting until an entire album is available. Is that something that, that you feel has happened because technology has made it available? Is that something because you want to make sure that uh, when the iron is hot, you want to strike and you want to have things to stay current? What, what are some of the decisions, uh, what are some of the reasons that went into that decision? Yes, all of the above. I mean, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, it made a lot more sense because singles were a hard thing to sell and uh, albums were the way to distribute things. But now that we live in the digital age, uh, it's very easy to get your stuff out digitally, to sell it digitally, and to be very uh, current and quick about it if I have an idea. In fact, I did that um, several years ago. There was a TI parody, uh, Whatever You Want, Whatever You Like. I can't remember. <laughs> whatever You Like, I think it was. It was uh, two weeks from me getting the idea to do the song to yeah. it being on iTunes, awesome. the parody. Uh, awesome. In fact, it came out while the TI uh, original song was still number one on the chart so yeah. I got excited about that like wow well, well we live in an age where I can get this stuff out because it, in the past it was sort of like you know it, it would literally be months or maybe even a year yeah. between you know the idea and it actually being out to the public because even even once you record it to manufacture the albums to distribute them it could be months and months down the line and it's hard to be terribly topical and timely <laughs> when you have that much of a lag time yeah do you have any dream projects that you haven't had a chance to work on yet is there anything in any other kind of medium that you would like to try your hand at uh, i've been given the opportunity to, to fail in a lot of media <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i'd like to keep trying to do that uh, maybe more successfully though uh sure I, i'd like to uh you know I've, i next year i'm not touring uh, I, I guess maybe this year. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, not, 2017, I'm 20, not touring. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to work on some major project, although I don't know what it is yet. It's kind of a big question mark. So I, I might try to write an, uh, a movie script. Maybe I'll write an animated movie, maybe live action. For the last few years, I've been toying with the idea of possibly writing a, a musical. Uh, I might do that, um, you know, or some other acting gig may come up. I, I don't know. It's sort of, it, I used to be terrified when I had a big stretch of time available. Yeah. But, but I'm at a point in my life and career where now it's sort of like, oh, I, I've got a bunch of time where I don't know what I'm doing. That's awesome. I'm the pious guy, the little omelets wanna be like on my knees day and night, scoring points for the afterlife. So don't be vain and don't be whiny, or else my brother, I might have to get medieval on your hiney. We've been spending most our lives living in an Amish paradise. We're all crazy men. I'm a big fan of the fact that you have never taken drugs, don't drink alcohol. Not yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, not yet. Know. We don't know. 2017, I, I, you got a lot of time. I got a lot of time. I got, got a whole a year off. We're going to try some stuff out. <laughs> um, but what I love about it is that you've talked about it before and, and how it's important to you, but you are also somebody who has worked in Hollywood. And I can imagine that there were times where maybe that was difficult or uncool. But I want to ask, was there any times where you thought, man, this is this is a really tough business this is a really cynical industry a really cynical town and what yeah, do I wish you I had do? some drugs right now yeah <laughs> oh, just to get through it uh, but what do you sort of hold on to to stick to who you are and to what you believe in um, I, it's not so much of a challenge for me. I don't know. I just, uh, just for me to do what I want to do and be who I am, it's, it's never been something I've thought too, too much about. I just do what I do. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't get a lot of outside pressure for people trying to, trying to change me or, or make me into a different person. And, and if they are, then I just say, no. Yeah. <laughs> Simple well, as that. That's wonderful because I don't think that that is common in 
in everybody. I think that that's kind of a rare thing that it's easy for you to be you. And I know that that's why your music and your career speaks to young people so much because young people need to hear messages like that. And it's really important to just be you and you are the coolest the way you are, even if you're white and nerdy, even if, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. I've, so, I, I, again, I've been going through my old letters uh, recently and, and I, I've been reading a lot of wonderful uh, mail from uh, from kids that were just inspired by the fact that I called myself Weird Al. Yeah. And, and, and there are some p- points in my life where I thought, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have gone with such a dorky nickname, but people, really? but, but a lot of a lot of kids are like, well, you gave me hope in, in my life because I've always been a weird kid and I was always a little different and people would pick on me and make fun of me. But the fact that you you embraced it and, and you know it was empowering for me to know that you were you know proud of your weirdness and you were able to to, to make good. Well good. I'm glad you're aware of that because if you weren't Al I was going to tell you everything you just said. <laughs> but it seems like you'd already gotten tons of letters, which is great. <laughs> what advice would you have to fans? Would you tell them to lean into music or to lean into comedy? What would you say? Just you know go with your music. I mean, if, if you want to do, you know, comedy music, you, sh- you should do it. I mean, there's so many more avenues now than there were when I started out. YouTube and portals like that are a great way to do it. I mean, it's a, it's a good way for, you know, a lot of people to hear what you're doing. And if, if you're really good, uh, people will notice. I guarantee you it'll yeah. get around. Uh, things go viral. And it's easy. If you've, if you've seriously got talent and, and your material is seriously good, people will find out about it. Just put yourself out there. What has it been like for you to see the fan feedback, especially after the internet became a thing, to all of your work? Uh, it's it's been great. I mean, uh, the the internet has allowed people to access my work that maybe didn't have access to before. Certainly, there are many pockets of the world that would never have been able to get a, a Weird Al album. You know, my albums weren't racked. You yeah. know, in Zimbabwe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? okay. uh, but because of the internet, uh, anybody anywhere in the world uh, and the known universe can can, yeah. can you know as has access to hear this stuff. And uh, you know, social media has been great. Uh, it's allowed people to stalk me more efficiently. Yes. You know. It's a real easy way to do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it, it's not like uh, people can figure out my tour schedule. They can, you know, plan their lives around my tour schedule if they yeah. so desire. It's, it's just been much easier to, get, to connect with the fans, and, and that's always been really important with me, and it's the internet's been a, a remarkable tool. Well, Al, I want to thank you so much for being as funny as you've been for over 30 years. I cannot wait to get your box set. It's going to be fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Um, you're the best. Oh. No, you! No, you're the best. Oh, okay. Well, that was our conversation with Weird Al Yankovic. So cool. Huge thanks to Al for coming down and telling us about his career and his life. Guys, thank you for continuing to like and share the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Be sure to go to nickanimationpodcast.com for all of the old episodes. A bunch of cool, awesome, extra behind-the-scenes stuff, including a picture of me with Weird Al. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by... Jonathan Highlander. Dana Vasquez-Eberhardt. Kelly Smith. Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures... This week's episode edited by Josh Caldwell, Jonathan Highlander. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Sammy Armager, David Watson. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Grova. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. Cartoons.